weird little thing at the beginning yeah, I'm there. I'm gonna assume it's okay. <laughs> Everything's fine. We've got sound. It's fine. Everything's fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sip and Spin. My name is Skylar, and over here in a cute little Fleetwood Mac shirt and a cardigan is Brittany. Hello. This is a variety podcast where we talk about anything, everything, and nothing. Yes. So, what are we talking about today? Or here, we're talking about true crime today. Uh, that is our topic for today. Is true crime, and our drink was red wine. So, Brittany, what are what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking 19 crimes. That's actually a really good red, red wine. It's one of the ones I like. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I just went with something I knew I liked. And I was like, mm-hmm. 19 crimes sounds good. Yeah, I am not drinking today, but that's okay. She doesn't feel so well. Yeah. I'm not, like, sick or anything. I'm just hurting, and the specific type of pain I'm feeling alcohol makes a little bit worse. So, yeah, I figured so. I would, I'm just going to stick with water. I'm going to drink for the both of us. Yes. Get really <laughs> drunk. Whoa. Talk about some true crime. Other than feeling kind of blah, how are you? Other than that, I've honestly had an exceptional week. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so I passed my critical test and, like, apparently did really well. I finished it much faster than I was supposed to, but I got 100s on several parts, several different modules that were in the test. So I'm like, okay. Nice. So that was fun. And then Tuesday, I was on Amazon at midnight. Tuesday, like midnight on October 18th, I was ready. The third book of the Dreamer trilogy. Came oh, out. I was like, where is she going? With so, this? as y'all know, I freaking love the Raven Cycle. It is my entire personality is loving the Raven Cycle. And the Dreamer trilogy is the spinoff series about Ronin. And the third book finally came out. And I've been waiting years for this third book to come out because I have not read the rest of them because I've been waiting oh, for wow. the third book to come out so I could read it all at once. Well, I got on Amazon, and it was kind of bad news because I found all the books, but when I got ready to check out, it was like the first book wouldn't be there for another two weeks. I'm like, I've waited years. I can't wait another two weeks. That's weird for Amazon. So I went, yeah, I'm like, I pay Prime. for Amazon Prime every month, and I still, it was going to take two weeks. I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> but oh. it's fine. So I went to Books Million, called them at 10 a.m. as soon as they opened. <laughs> And I was like, hello. Sure, they love that. <laughs> well, the lady was so nice helping me. and They are nice there. She was like, I'm sorry, what do you need? I was like, I just need to know if you have these books in store. Um, and she was like, I'm so sorry. It's hard to hear you. I was like, I know. I'm driving. I'm literally on my way to you right now. <laughs> and she was like, okay. So I was like, okay, I need to call down the hawk. And she was like, okay. And I was like, and I need Mr. Impossible. She was like, okay. And I was like, and Grey Warren. And she was like, can you spell that? I was like, yes, absolutely, I can. (laughs) And she was like, we have all three of them in stock. I was like, perfect. She was like, the only thing is, the first book is in paperback. And then the second book comes in paperback and hardback. But the third book is only in hardback because it's a new release. And I was like... Normally, I would say, I would figure try and figure something out to where they're all the same, but at this point, I'm so desperate, I don't care. I'm fine. I just want them. Just give me my fix. <laughs> and she was like, okay, do you want me to like put them at the front for you and hold them? I was like, OMG, would you? She was like, yes. And I was like, uh, yes, absolutely. And I was like, you are a lifesaver. I am going to be there in like 10 minutes. Like, I'm on the way. She was like, okay, we'll have them here. I was like, Perfect. So I already finished the first book, and I'm halfway done with the second book, or over halfway done with the second book. Is it? Is it living up to the? Oh my gosh! Are you happy about it? Literally, yes. It is perfect. I read the first book for so long on Tuesday night when I got home from work, and like I went to go refill my wine and like stretch my legs, and as I did that, I was like, it took me a second to remember where I was. I like (laughs) had to reorient myself. That's a good time reading. It's when yes. you have to like restate yourself in reality. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> oh, right. This is where I am physically. <laughs> good. That's fun. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. It's been nice weather. The garden's been doing good. Surprisingly, still in October, we're still getting like <laughs> vegetables and shit. So I'm like, hey, I'll take it. Love that. Yeah. We won a 
We won a prize last week in our trivia. Oh my god. Um, so <laughs> I loved the Snapchat story. <laughs> so I keep my eggplant with me. <laughs> but yeah, it was literally so I participate in like weekly bar trivia, right? And so last week, one of the hosts for like the bonus prizes or whatever was, um, I guess, a clinic here, Live Well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were doing stuff for prep and stuff. So it's like a fundraiser and all the beer proceeds went for HIV and AIDS prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we were the first winners and you got to pick what kind of bag you want. And so we picked the only like backpack, big ass cooler. And we're like, oh, cool, it's a cooler, and it had, like, an umbrella attached to it. Then you go and open it, and it's just stock full of random stuff, like, all for those types of things. So it was just full of condoms. It was full of egg. I have, like, an eggplant-shaped stress ball, which I adore. I got, like, a water bottle, and then there was, like, keychains with condoms in them, so you always have one, right? Like, it was just <laughs> so much stuff. We were just, like, little kids just throwing all the condom shit on our table at the bar. <laughs> it was a good time. I love it. <laughs> we all split it up and divvied it out. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was a good time. Good night. Yeah, Brittany does weekly trivia, and I do weekly karaoke. I tell you all you need to know about us, just people. (laughs) I cannot do karaoke. Oh, I don't get up there and sing. I just watch people. (laughs) See, even that is almost too much for me because I get like secondhand embarrassment. Oh no, I get hilarious. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I would have to do it very. I couldn't do it every week. That's for sure. Trivia. I'm just stupid, so it doesn't really matter. Sometimes (laughs) I win condoms, and I'm like, all right, cool. When we get errors. I love how I said when. If. <laughs> if we get big. The, how people are like, which one are you? And then it's going to be like, which one are you? Are you the trivia night or a karaoke person? <laughs> and those are our two personalities. <laughs> trivia or karaoke? Let us know. It might be different if we had like the cool karaoke places that they have in like Japan or Korea. Yeah. Where it's like your own private room. See, and I that think would that, be fun. I, that would be fun. And like, be full bar and I would food. do with my friends. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, why don't you get up there and sing? I'm like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. With friends, it'd be, like, a whole different thing. And yeah. I can understand we why it's so We have karaoke popular. in your living room sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's fine. Especially if there's food and, like, We yeah. get drunk and turn on music videos and we just... It's a good time. It's the best time. <laughs> I love those nights. Yeah, I like that. I just can't do it in front of strangers, for yeah. sure. Yeah. No. Not a fun time. <laughs> I guess anything else? Uh, no. We talked about pretty much nothing for like 10 minutes. Yeah, so. it's fine. I, that's, that's why that, it's in our tagline, so we're allowed. Why do you keep smelling your car I again? I keep like, getting a whiff of my dog, and I'm like, is it me? Am I the dog? Probably. But it doesn't smell when I smell it. I just keep like getting a whiff of it, unless it's like my tights. No? I don't know. Because sometimes, like, I'll, my clothes will be clean and I'll, like, get them out of my closet and they just smell like straight up Lana. So I have to wash them again, even though I just washed them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to be the case with this, so. She was on my couch this morning. It could be the couch that smells. I don't know. This is my life. I just smell my clothes and see if I smell like my dog half mm-hmm. the time. It's very annoying. We bathe her. She just smells like a dog. Oh, we got a new puppy. Oh, <laughs> we got a puppy. We got a new puppy. Aww. He's the first a, time hearing of this. He's a petite mini golden doodle. So does that mean they're just like really small? They're, they're, they're going to be, he's going to be smaller than Bow and Blue. So more like a, I don't know. Actually, never mind. I don't know where I was going. He's going to only be like 15 pounds. Oh, wow. Which is what we thought Bow and Blue were going to be. But Bo is like 20 pounds, like 20 to 25 pounds, and Blue's like 18 pounds. Yeah. So he's not going to get any bigger than 15 pounds. So he's a petite mini golden doodle. Mm-hmm. Cute. And his name is Coda, which means little bear. Because bear died back in June, so now we have little bear. Aw. <laughs> Precious. That's probably a handful, a new puppy. It is. He's so cute. You want to see a picture? Of course. Look at his sweet little face. Aww. He's so cute. He's very cute. Those little eyes. See, the other dogs have accepted him. Yes. <laughs> There's him with Bo. Aww. Bo just forgets how um, 
big he is, though. Yeah. And so, like, when Kodo starts wanting to play with him, Bo's like, okay, I'll play with you. But then he, like, knocks Kodo over completely. And, like, that sounds better. Lana would be the exact same way. She's like that with the cats. Yeah. She's like, oh, you want to play? I'm going to squish you. <laughs> yeah, we got him on Wednesday. Oh, wow. Not long at all, though. Mm-mm. Dang. That's nice that they already, like, like him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have anything that tops a new puppy, so. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, I think that's it <laughs> on life updates. I've I mean, had a busy week. Those are some good life updates. <laughs> yeah, you've been getting it. Love that. Well, I guess I'll just get started. So, this is true crime, of course, of course. Uh, so, so, of course, twice. I don't know where I'm going with this. We haven't done true crime in a while, so I'm like, how do I do this? So it's true crime, so trigger warnings. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what my trigger warnings are, though, because this is, it's just a weird case, and it is true crime, because there is murder. So there is murder in my case. It's not really the focus of what I'm going to talk about, though. So yeah, I guess just <sighs> trigger warning for murder, and I would say grooming, and maybe slavery in a sexual manner. We'll get into it. Okay. But those are the main things I can think of that might be, like, makes this uncomfy. And I will also go ahead and say this involves a few German names that I am probably going to butcher, so I am so sorry from the top. But I'm going to be talking about uh, Walburga, I already forgot how to say it, Osterreich, Osterreich. But she goes by the nickname Dolly, so I will most likely just be referring to her as Dolly. Dolly Parton does not deserve this. So, in 1922, in the well-off L.A. area of um, Lafayette Park, neighbors heard screams from the house of Fred and Dolly Osterreich. When the police arrived, they found Fred dead and his wife Dolly was locked inside of a closet. The police were fully convinced that Dolly had done it, they just had no idea how. So that is the kind of the setting for it. Um, this case rocked the headlines for about eight years um, in the world. And it was partly because of how scandalous and juicy it's going to get. So do you know why they immediately considered? Do you get into why they? Because I feel like usually they wouldn't have considered. It doesn't really say. I'm think, my thing is maybe it's the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the neighbors because... They were heard uh, arguing, and then sudden gunshots. Oh, okay, okay. And then she, like, there's not going to be any indicators that it was from someone outside. Okay, gotcha. That's what I'm going to say. So I'll get into it more when we get into the details, yeah. And you can kind of see, like, okay, I kind of get it. Uh, But she was locked in a closet that locked from the outside. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, they wanted to think it was her because she was the only other person there. But her being locked away, they were like, okay, but this doesn't make sense either. So they were mostly pretty stuck. So that's kind of what this is. But the reason that this was so popular and stayed in headlines for eight years after the fact uh, was because this is going to be the weirdest love triangle that we're going to talk about. And people were fucking obsessed with it. For good reason. It's bizarre. So let's get into this weird love triangle that led to a dead husband to Dolly. Okay. <laughs> Was it with the famous person? <laughs> um, I mean, she's kind of infamous now in some circles, I would say. <laughs> but no, they're just, uh, like, they were a well-off family. Mm. Uh, we're going to get into, like, what he did for his living and all that. And then, no, not a famous person. So, Dolly was a housewife in her early 30s during this case. She was born Walburga Korschel in 1880 to German immigrant parents. It's unknown, or at least unclear in my research, if she was actually born in Germany or if she was born very quickly after her parents moved to the U.S. So, couldn't really tell where she was born. Mm -hmm. But she grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At the age of 12, she worked at the textile mill, where it was there that she met Fred, her future husband. He was another German immigrant, and he was a very successful owner of said factory. I can already see the grooming now. Oh, and this is not who I'm talking about. Oh, really? Oh, but also this, too, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even, yeah. I mean, yeah, it gets worse. 
Dolly was said to be very attractive and charismatic. She had many friends at the factory, um, and it was said she was just, she had a very, like, sunny disposition. She was well-liked. She quickly attracted Fred's attention, and the two married when she was 17. I don't have any ages on Fred, but it's yeah. still, yeah, not great. Not cute. Yeah, you're like, she started working there at 12. She was considered very attractive. I'm like, no 12-year-old is considered attractive. I'm sorry. Right, yeah. <laughs> so after marrying, she remained popular among the Fred's workers. Uh, and this was mainly because she could always smooth over, like, any feathers that Fred ended up rumpling because he was said to be very <clears throat> gruff and demanding. Mm. So whenever he got on people's nerves or ticked off other workers, she was really good at stepping in and, like, calming everyone down, like, mediating the situation. Also, I mean, she was an attractive 17-year-old girl, apparently. So, you know, I'm sure the men working there were great to her. Ba-ba. Their marriage was said to be happy enough, uh, but the unexpected death of their only child did cause a rift between them. As it would. Yes. And then on top of that, Fred also worked really long hours at the factory, since he was the owner. Mm. And that one small fact alone was kind of... Not the death of their child, really, but I'm sure that definitely contributed to maybe why he didn't want to be home all the time. Uh, but just him not being home was where Dolly was like, just doesn't work for me. Because uh, she had needs. And then Fred was just either just too busy or too drunk to satisfy her in that particular area of her life. So she was going to take it into her own hands. So one day in 1913, Dolly discovered that her sewing machine wasn't working. She called Fred up to complain about it, and then he then promised to send over a repairman to fix it. The repairman ended up being 17-year-old Otto Schonherber? Sonhuber? And again, at this point, she is 33. Oh, so yes. this is grooming. This is who I was talking about. Gotcha. And what makes it even worse is it's speculated, or at least kind of assumed, that Dolly knew this is who Fred would send to her house. So it was also, like, preemptive. Like, she knew what she was about to do. Uh, because when Otto arrived, he was met by Dolly wearing only a robe and stockings and a sly smile. And nothing else. So, and, like, she knew that he worked for Fred at the factory they had mm -hmm. met. And I guess maybe he's, like, the runner boy that Fred would send out. So she, like, she knew. Mm -hmm. People pretty much guarantee that. So yeah, and so a really bizarre love affair that is going to last a decade began. In the early days of this affair, it was conducted uh, like pretty normally, secret meetings at hotels, etc., like going out and meeting each other. After some time though, this began to become a pain, so the pair began just straight up having sex in Dolly and Fred's marital bed, which like very disrespectful. Affairs in general are very disrespectful, yeah, but that's just always just like get a divorce. That's always just like a nail, like. Like, yeah. just because I can type of thing, I just, like, yeah, just leave each other, you know, at that point. I don't know, I've never liked that sort of thing. But soon after switching to this way of meeting, though, nosy neighbors began asking Dolly questions about the man who was hanging around, like, coming and going from her house. She told them it was her, quote, vagabond half-brother. So that's going to be her story. Otto is her half-brother. Mm-hmm. So now, after giving up on the secret meetings and realizing, like, they're getting too much attention from, like, meeting at her house, and I also saw another report, I didn't see it everywhere, but I'm just gonna throw it out there, that also possibly Fred caught the affair at this point from the comings and goings from the neighbors, and he confronted Dolly about it, and she was like, okay, I'm gonna end it. So that's another thing that supposedly happened, but I didn't read that everywhere, so it's not in my notes, but I am just gonna throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she like told him like yeah I'm cutting it off we're done but anyway so after all of this realizing they can't go do secret meetings they can't do meetings at her house Dolly just comes to the most logical conclusion that is just like you should probably just live in my attic and Otto's like bet let's do that so and her reasoning was like this way he'd never be spotted coming or going and it could be a secret so Naturally, Otto quit his job at the factory, and he began to spend all of his time in the attic of their home. Okay. Like, I mean, this is why I'm, like, grooming, because the sex couldn't be that good. Like, no. Don't live in an attic. Please. No. By, like, voluntarily no sex also. Is worth He's just not in forcing him to. He is voluntary at this point. So, yeah. So bizarre. It gets more bizarre. 
Uh, it was said that Otto pretty much had no family to speak of either, so no one really noticed if he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. It was mm -hmm. very easy for him to just disappear, basically, into Dolly at this point. This new arrangement with Dolly meant that he literally could never leave this fucking attic. Uh, he just remained there and worked on writing pulp fiction stories that he one day hoped to have published. He relied on Dolly for everything, clothes, food, etc., and he could only come down if, like, she gave him a little clue and Fred was at work. Mm -hmm. And then when he was down, he, like, helped her with her household chores and then they just had sex. That was his life. And then he would go back up in the attic. Which, like, all this was in the attic, I think, was a desk and a cot. Okay. That was it. Yeah, so I guess the fact that, like, he didn't have any family, he probably clung to Dolly as, like, his everything. Oh, I'm going to have a quote about that. Oh, okay. Not a good quote. Oh, no. You go, oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> the change was so sudden. So, yeah. So, he's, like, writing little Pulp Fiction stories, um, which, like, if he was writing about his own life, I'm sure he'd be very successful. <laughs> Around this time, the Los Angeles Times were reporting on this case, and they had this quote that they published. Quote, at night, he read mysteries by candlelight and wrote stories of adventure and lust. By day, he made love to Dolly, helped her keep house, and made bathtub gin, end quote. Because I guess that's another thing he did, was made bathtub gin. They also disturbingly reported that he said he grew to love Dolly, quote, as a boy loves his mother, Ugh. end quote. Ick. That's, yeah, that's the photo I was referring to. So it's just, it's all kinds of bad. Again, he's a 17, so no family. Yeah, he he definitely grew to latch on to her. Ickier than I than I thought. <laughs> yeah, it sounds worse when you say it out loud like that. Yes, for sure. Um, so not great. For five years, Dolly and Otto kept up this weird relationship all the while he was living in the attic. And no one had any indication for five. Damn. Nope. And it was said though that some people, some reports said that Fred kind of thought he was going crazy like he did think he heard noises or he saw shadows but he was also a very heavy drinker and very stressed from work mm -hmm. so dolly just kind of was said yeah to heavy drinker and worked long hours was said yeah. to like point to him to like oh you're probably just really stressed why don't you just relax it's or it's the drinking like you just need to sleep so like she would just like kind of soothe him and calm down like oh no you're just seeing things or something like that so it was said that maybe he did, like, hear stuff, but it was always written off in, mm -hmm. to the drink or to the stress. So yeah, they never got caught. Then in 1918, Fred told Dolly that he thought they should sell the house and move to Los Angeles because I guess he was opening another factory over there. Obviously, this could have made everything really complicated in her lover in the attic, but no worries because Dolly found a house overlooking Sunset Boulevard with an attic, of course, and she sent Otto there early so that he'd be waiting for her when she arrived. And he did that. Hmm. And so everything continued on as it had, as it had, for another four years. Oh my this god. This man just continued living in her attic. This is insane. It's insanity. Like, I just, and like, He's free to go. Like, from all I, all accounts, it's very voluntarily on his part. But again, you know, if it's grooming or if she... I don't know if she was pressuring him into it. But at least in the beginning, he was there by choice. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? Ah, it's bizarre. Yeah, no sex is that good. <laughs> Living nine years now in an addict. Only human contact is Dolly. Oh, God. For sex and for doing her housework. Like, that's it. Like, that's so sad. So yeah, so another four years in L.A. now. Then on August 22nd, 1922, Dolly and Fred got into a fight. Otto overheard the... <gasps> Otto locked her in the closet. Otto overheard the fight, and it must have been fairly intense because Otto became very worried that Dolly was going to be seriously hurt. Uh -huh. So he burst into the room where they were arguing, and he uh, shot Fred three times. Ah. Saving Dolly in his mind. There's another report that says he burst into the room where they were arguing and that he had two guns with him. Fred recognized Otto from the factory, became furious, and the two men struggled and the guns went off. So I've seen both boards recounted. Uh, either way, 
auto shot and killed Fred, whichever one, one story is a little more dramatic, I think, is why people like it. Uh, so take whichever you like more, but I kind of just assume he just burst in and shot him, like, on instinct because he was scared. Mm-hmm. All that's really agreed upon, based on, like, the autopsies, is that Fred was shot three times by a twenty-five caliber pistol, one in the head and two in the chest. So, those, that's the facts. The details are a little muddled. Otto and Dolly uh, both began to panic a bit until they had to, like, come up with a plan. So Otto locked Dolly in the closet from the outside, and he took the key and the gun with him back to the attic. They knew the neighbors obviously would have heard the gunshots and reported it. And then this way, it looks like a burglary gone wrong. Like, people came, locked her in the closet, and, like, fled. She clearly, like, couldn't have shot her husband if she's locked in a closet, you know? So when the police arrived, that's exactly the story that Dolly ended up telling them. She was like, a robber shot Fred, took some expensive belongings, and then locked her in the closet before fleeing. The police didn't fully believe the story, but they also couldn't prove that it wasn't true, as I said in the beginning, so they had no choice and she was released from their custody. So they did take her in for like questioning because she was their only suspect, and then she gave them that story. And I think another reason I read that they didn't buy it is because they couldn't prove that anything was stolen. Yeah. So she said that expensive stuff was stolen, but I think she claimed, like, oh, I, I couldn't even, like, she's so shocked she couldn't tell you what was stolen, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. So I think that was another reason they were like, this is sus. Uh, so yeah, so she was released. Now a widow, Dolly moved into a new house and continued on with her life. She obviously was very wealthy from her dead husband's money. Her and Otto could now... I was was like, did you take Otto? (laughs) Her and Otto could now live their relationship out in the open with, like, no worries. All was great. Um, But that's not what happened at all. Mm -hmm. Instead, when Dolly moved, Otto did go with her, but stayed in the attic again. Just wanted to live in her attic. He's free to come out now. She's not oh married. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so bizarre. I just don't understand. I mean, I guess if that's all you know for the past nine years. And you're so young. And again, like, essentially, this is where I'm like, he basically is just a live-in sex slave. Yeah, because yeah. his emotional growth was stunted. Because all he knew from... Because your brain's not fully done all developing. All he knows is Dolly. Yeah, your brain's not done developing until you're 25. So if it stopped at that, that's yeah. that's all he's that's all he knows. And I don't, like, just throw the term sex slave out willy-nilly. He later goes on to refer to himself that way. Mm-hmm. So he did later go on to see it in his mind, like, yeah, I was just a sex slave. Mm-hmm. So I'm just quoting him with that. Yeah, all he was <clears throat> all he was there for was for sex and to do her house chores. Yeah, so, like, it's shit's fucked. After all this, when he began referring to himself this way, this was also when he just let a lot of uh, stuff come out. Apparently, also, they made love up to eight times a day, according to Otto, which is just, like, too much. That's ridiculous. He's just a sex slave. That's way too much. There's no reason to have that that much sex. How does she need that? Like, girl, I I don't know. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. This case is a lot. (laughs) I'm like, maybe I'm just depressed, but I could not do it. (laughs) No, absolutely not. So Otto had managed to get a few of his pulp stories published. And so with that money, as well as the money from Dolly, because she was very wealthy, like I said, he was able to purchase a typewriter and just like wanted to write even more. So he's Mm -hmm. still doing his little writing thing. Good for him, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And while he was living his attic writing dream, uh, (coughs) Dolly was out getting a new lover. Oh, Dolly! (laughs) (laughs) This lover was lawyer Herman Shapiro. The thing about lawyers, though, is that they are quite busy with their jobs, much like her first husband. So, of course, Dolly had to go and get another lover to satisfy her, because apparently Otto... she's got three now. Yes. Because the woman cannot be satisfied, apparently. She's having sex eight times a day with Otto. What do you mean? <laughs> and there's no telling how much with these other two. So enter Roy Clumb, guy number three. But um, her using Roy could have very well been a way for her to get rid of the gun used to shoot Fred, is what people kind of mm. think. So Because Dolly convinced him to ditch a gun for her, saying that it resembled the burglar's gun and she didn't want to get in trouble. So people think she might have just been using this guy because she couldn't very well, like, ask the lawyer to do that. 
because it's, you know. So you maybe also shouldn't just get involved with a lawyer while you may or may not be involved in your dead husband. When the police are kind of looking at you with a side eye. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, so this guy, Roy, he, uh, he tossed it into the La Brea tar pits. Yeah, so he ditched the gun for her. Great. Now I want queso burrito. <laughs> That's the takeaway. <laughs> They're so good. I don't know what a burrito tar pit is, but I heard you say burrito. I was like, mm, queso burrito sounds good right now. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Eventually after this, Dolly did end up breaking with Roy Klum. And a while after the breakup, he went to the police with the gun story. Oh. So he ended up being like, all right, bet. Maybe don't break up with the guy who you asked to ditch your gun <laughs> to, for to you. Le- get rid of evidence for you? Uh, yeah. The gun was then pulled from the tar pits, and Dolly was taken into custody again. Mm-hmm. The gun could not be tied to Dolly, though, because the guns had corroded. The gun had corroded. Mm-hmm. So they had to release her again. Good, very good. Oh, no, wait, sorry. They didn't release her. So they'd taken her in, but they couldn't use the guns in the trial. But she was awaiting trial in jail because they still wanted to pin this on her. Yeah. So while she was awaiting trial, uh, she pleaded with her lawyer boyfriend to, quote, buy groceries for Otto and to tap on the ceiling of the bedroom closet to let him know that he could come out. So she got taken in. So she still needed to provide for Otto, though. Mm-hmm. So she went to the lawyer boyfriend and he was like, I need you to buy groceries for my house. And he was like, why? You're not you're in jail. And she's like. Well, there's someone in the attic, <laughs> and I need you to feed him, and this is how you can get him to come out. I'm coughing up. I know. Am I trying to close this? I don't think so. I think it'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> they might as well hear a weird story. <laughs> <laughs> I was, well, because we, I heard them cough, and I was like, I wonder if they could hear us. <laughs> well, neighbors are getting a free tale. <laughs> a weird tale. But yeah, so she was like, I, you need to go buy groceries for the man in my attic. And she told him that Otto was her vagabond brother. So Uh she's back to that story again. This is what she told um, Herman. So Otto, who was so excited to see another person, like to see another human other than Dolly, uh, when he came out of the attic and just probably absolutely starved for any communication with someone, he ended up telling Herman the whole story about his and Dolly's relationship. So he just word vomited to this <laughs> this poor man who was just like okay i'll take your weird brother who lives at your attic groceries and then he come and then you just get this oh like he told him everything the murder like the sex that he was seven like told him every sort of detail because oh the man's was starved yeah. for communication like i can't blame him the so poor lawyer <laughs> like he was like what did i sign up for well i don't think it bothered him too much because Herman then basically just told Otto to get lost, and then he got Dolly released on bail. As Herman! As her lawyer. So having, like I said, having a man trapped in her attic for sex didn't change his view on Dolly because... She can't be that pretty. Because he quickly moved in with her, and then all charges against Dolly were dropped. Men are so stupid. <laughs> like, I just... I just really need to know how charismatic was this lady. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm not even sure she's that charismatic. I just think men are dumb. I mean, that's most likely. Oh, so yeah, all all charges dropped. All was well, it seemed, until seven years later, uh, when their relationship hit the fan, and so now Herman's like, okay, bitch. Uh, he moved out and told the police all that he had gathered of the crime against Stop Fred. Stop breaking up with your boyfriends who are covering up evidence for you and breaking you out of jail. And stop. Uh. If you're going to commit a crime and then get in a relationship with someone who is helping you cover up that crime, maybe don't break up with them. I just, I mean, bold of her to dump these men, honestly. <laughs> Uh, warrants were then, again, issued for Dolly, and also this time for Otto as well, since he admitted to Herman that he was the murderer. Mm-hmm. On trial, Otto's defense was that Dolly had enslaved him. The jury still found him guilty of manslaughter, though. Mm-hmm. And then the trial became sensationalized at this point. It was known as, quote, the Batman case. 
since Otto had been kept in a secluded cave-like attic. They just started calling him the Batman. But they ultimately had to let Otto go free because the statute of limitations on the manslaughter had run out. Mm. So he was found guilty, but they couldn't do anything. Otto changed his name to Walter Klein and moved to Canada. Here he married and lived the remainder of his life in obscurity. So that is the end of Otto's tale. But we still have Dolly to talk about. Dolly went to trial on a conspiracy charge, uh, but also walked free after a hung jury. So, (laughs) still just getting by. Uh, In 1936, the indictment was eventually just dropped for good. In 1961, she married her second husband, and this was also someone she had been companions with for 30 years now at this point, Ray Burt Hendrick. And then less than two weeks after this marriage, she died at the age of 81. So that is the end of Dolly. This case has apparently sparked interest in Hollywood, as these things usually do, and there were two movies made off of it that I had no idea about. So in 1968, The Bliss of Mrs. Blossom was released, and it's apparently a more like comedic take on the tale, with Shirley MacLaine playing someone inspired by Dolly. And then in 1995, a TV movie, The Man in the Addict, premiered with Neil Patrick Harris playing a role inspired by Otto. Mm-mm. That is my case. Uh, big shout out to the Twitter page, Whores of Yore, for <laughs> bringing this case on my timeline randomly a few days ago. Uh, I read through the thread and just knew I had to talk about it. And I had a whole other topic and notes planned entirely for today, but I just really need to talk about Dolly. Also, I love how you say attic. Oh, did I say it weird? You say addict. Addict. I think I say it both because I don't like, know. Yeah, you're addict. like addict. 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 And I was like, I love that. <laughs> I say words weird all the time. We done know here on this podcast. Oh my god, literally listening to uh, the episode we just released, I was like, dear lord. I was like... <laughs> you're struggling a little bit. I was... I was struggling with my struggle and I was like I can't believe that this happened <laughs> it wasn't that it was funny you just you are always so put together it's nice to see it's nice to see you be human I'm not human oh she's better than us I am well all right <laughs> she's modest too love a humble queen her and Dolly would be best friends I, I told my sister the other day I went um, I was like, oh my god, I have an idea because I'm brilliant and a genius. And my mom was like, and modest too. I was like, yep, absolutely. You know me. <laughs> it's the Aquarius in me. I'm either really insecure and hate myself, or I have a god complex and think I'm the best thing that's ever happened to this earth. Yep, it's just a switch with no middle. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be normal. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants normal? Well, I guess we'll get on to my case. I'm going to be talking about David Meerhofer. Okay. See, I didn't think I had ever heard this story before, but then I realized I had. Okay. Um, Maybe that'll hold true for me. Had you heard mine before? No. (laughs) Dear dear God, no. (laughs) I know, it just, I, for, okay, one, just back to one in a second. Just amazing Twitter page, Whores of Yore. They're, they're official. They have a check mark. I love that. Uh, I guess someone I follow liked this post because it just, I, this whole thread just popped up about Dolly, and I was enthralled, and I was like, yes, thank you. So everyone go follow Horse of Yore. This is unrelated, but there's a Twitter account I want you all to follow. It's called Magic Realism Bot. Oh, okay. It is my favorite Twitter account in the <laughs> world. <laughs> Love that. Let me just... Oh, let me just... <laughs> let me just... I have some examples. I mean, I love the name. Okay, because I did a thread of, like, Pentagon as Magic Realism Bot tweets. And I found my Pentagon as Bears and Trees song thread. So I'm like, where's my Pentagon as Magic Realism Bot tweets? (laughs) Of course you did. They're so good. It's fine. I'm just going to go straight to their page. Oh, it's right there because I look at them all the time. A French grandmother discovers that her salamander is her grandfather. (laughs) I mean, I would read that book. Twelve zebras are setting out on a long journey. Their aim is to steal a gigantic diamond. (laughs) 
An Aust- an Austrian undertaker is giving birth to gondolas. <laughs> a dungeon is haunted by the ghost of a travel agent. She was murdered by a dragon. <laughs> she wants to sell you a good package. An emu lays an egg. The Roman Empire hatches from it. A gas station attendant kisses a platinum Airbnb rental. <laughs> a court jester steals the person who is reading this and hides it in a cemetery. A sociologist finds out that a coral reef in Florence is controlling America. A Vietnamese army officer writes a dissertation that is made out of uh, Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. Nice. Like, it's literally just some the right, They all sound like fun fever dreams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's why I love it so much. It is my everything. Love that. <laughs> So that was very off topic, but <laughs> I, I feel like I felt like while we were sharing, <laughs> the more you know. So everyone follow Horse of Yore and Magic Realism Bot. <laughs> the takeaway. <laughs> Anyways, David Meerhofer. So we're gonna just take it down. Great. David Meerhofer was born on June eighth, nineteen forty nine, in Bozeman, Montana, to Clifford and Eleanor Meerhofer. He was one of five children. Okay. Shortly after uh, he was born, they moved to a small town, to the small town of Manhattan. He attended the local Manhattan High School uh, in Montana. Not I was about Manhattan. to say, the small town, of, but I got you now. Not okay. Manhattan, New York. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, he attended the local Manhattan High School where, um, due to his like generally negative temperament and the fact that he was very introverted and didn't really hang out with people, um, he was considered an outcast and was bullied by the other students. Mm-hmm. After graduating... Um, in 1967, Meerhofer worked several odd jobs before being drafted into the Army in the fall of 1968. He mm-hmm. enlisted in the Marine Corps on October 1st and then spent uh, the next few months at a military base in San Diego, uh, San Diego, California, as part of the Signal Corps. After completing his basic training, he was sent to MCAS Cherry Point before being dispatched to fight in the Vietnam War in 1969. Okay. Or deployed. Dispatched, deployed, same thing. Yeah. Uh, serving in the 5th Communications Battalion. <laughs> and for his achievements in deploying communication systems and controlling military formations during armed assault, he was awarded the National Defense Service Medal, the Vietnam Service Medal, and the Vietnam Campaign Medal. So he was a decorated war hero. Right. In 1971, he went back to the United States and continued his military service at Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. And then in 1973, he was honorably discharged and went back to Manhattan. Okay. There, he became a self-employed handyman and carpenter and ran his own shop. Okay. I can't tell if this sounds familiar or if it's just because this is how all of these start. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is how they all go. And, like, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. Well, when I get to why I realized how I knew it from, you're probably going to (laughs) laugh. That's tracks for you it made me laugh as well not because it's happy at all because it's random as fuck yes it's very random i know the most random connection okay Um, and it's all because of how a word was pronounced okay so on june 25th 1973 a seven-year-old girl named susan yeager had been abducted from a tent in the middle of the night while camping with her family in missouri headwater state park Mm. three days later a man called one of the FBI's regional offices in Denver, Colorado, claiming that he had kidnapped the girl and demanded $25,000 in ransom. Mm-hmm. On July 2nd, the Gallatin County Sheriff's Deputy, Ron Brown, received a similar call, but this time he wanted $50,000. Mm-hmm. And to back up the fact that he was the kidnapper, um, he described Susan's appearance, pointing out that she had a unique fingernail on one index finger, which her relatives confirmed. Okay. So initially, the poli- the police did agree to transfer the ransom and in an attempt to catch the man, but no one came to the drop-off point. On September 24th, the kidnapper called the Yeager's house and talked to Susan's older brother, Daniel, uh, who was only 16. Poor kid. Um, and he referenced his previous calls to the sheriff and to the FBI to prove that it was him. Okay. By <laughs> that time, the call with Daniel, the... Jaeger's house had already been wiretapped, you okay. know, because they were already, he was already calling and like right, they were um, trying to catch him. Yes, and they were able to record the full conversation. 
And after they examined it, the FBI managed to trace the caller to a gas station in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Despite this lead, they were unable to apprehend a suspect, and the case remained dormant for several months. Okay. In February 1974, approximately 1,200 or 1,200 skeletal fragments were found at the Lockhart Place, which was abandoned, which was an abandoned ranch in Three Forks, Montana. And this is when I realized I knew this case. Okay. Eleanor Neal did a video on this. I don't, if, I don't know who that is. She is my favorite true crime YouTuber. Oh, okay. I have no so idea she, who that is. She does uh, true crime stories. She's very respectful. Like, she's from Northern England, and that's one of the reasons I like listening to her so much is because she has that, like, Yorkshire accent. Yeah. Which is my favorite British accent is, like, Yorkshire, Manchester. Like, Northern England accents are much better than, like, posh London Southern accents. Just saying. Such a snob. <laughs> I'm not the snob. <laughs> I like the northern accent. You're an accent style. <laughs> I just don't like the posh, like... <laughs> I guess. That's fine. I think there's a little more something to the northern accent. A little more something-something. <laughs> and also Brighton is in southern English. <laughs> you and fucking Brighton. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Anyways, I remember this because the skeletal fragments... I laughed for 20 minutes when she said this. Not 20 minutes, but I told everyone because I listened to it at work and I like found a group of like my coworkers and I was like, oh my God, y'all aren't going to believe this. <laughs> she said skeletal. <laughs> and I, and that's what connected this for me is the fact that when I read skeletal fragments, I was like, oh my God. That could literally be about anything though. Well, then I also, because I remember her talking about the book. Oh. And I don't go into too much detail about the book, but um, I do remember her talking about how Susan's mom wrote a book. It yeah, it still sounds familiar for me, but I, I might have just heard it, but I don't really remember any of the details. Yeah, but yes, but that was what like proved that I was like, oh, I definitely this is like this is when I was like, I'm like, God, I think I know this case. And then she started. To, uh, then when I got to the part about that her mother wrote a book, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely the one. <laughs> But yeah, I love how that made that connection just because I read Skeletal and I was like, oh my god. You and words. Skeletal. <laughs> Leave her alone. I love her, okay? <laughs> Sometimes worms are hard. Trust me, I fucking know, man. <laughs> but anyways, after the forensic examination, they found that the fragments belonged to two separate victims. Uh, one was a six to eight year old girl, while the other was an 18 to 20 year old woman. Aww. Four months later, on June 25th, the kidnap the kidnapper called the Yeagers again. For about an hour, he talked with Marietta, Susan's mother, where he reconfirmed that it was him by describing Susan's appearance and the previous phone calls, and then ended the call by saying that he could not return Susan. And Why talk to this poor woman for an hour? Yeah. Jesus. It's psychological torture. <clears throat> it really, yeah. I mean, yeah. A few days later, uh, the authorities were contacted by someone in Three Forks named Ralph Green. Green reported an invoice for a phone call made on June 25th that he didn't make. Okay. So, I think back then, like, certain phone lines, like, you had to pay to use the phone. Yeah, so everyone, like, kept track. Yeah. yeah. So, when he was like, hold on a minute, like, I'm being this... invoiced for this phone call that I did not make. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which was the day that he called Susan's mother. Okay. Yes. Um, while investigating uh, Ralph's telephone cables, um, policemen found a voice gateway and other devices that were built into a line break that they suspected that Susan Yeager's kidnapper used to make the call. Okay. Using this information, several profilers from the FBI who had been working on refining a new technique in offender profiling made a psychological profile of the suspe suspected offender. Okay. So this is like, you know, the... BAU behavioral analysis unit had yeah. kind of been started, but this is one of the first cases where they were like, "Let's profile this." this. Yes. Yeah. And by their profiling, they said the suspect was a white man, aged twenty-five to thirty, likely local to the area, with a background in the telecommunications industry or the military. And he had both because he did communications for the military. Right. Um, and he was a known social outcast who had problems interacting with others. Sounds familiar. 
In the course of the investigation, police considered several suspects, but they were able to narrow down on Mirhofer as the most likely suspect. Hmm. Um, they noted that a man matching his description had made frequent trips to Three Forks between 1973 and 1974 um, because he carried out construction and in- installation work at various ranches, including the Lockhart Place, where the remains of the two victims were found. Okay. After checking his travel schedule, they were also able to put him in Wyoming um, in September of 1973 after finding a receipt from an auto repair shop in Cheyenne, which showed that he had been there on September 24th, the day that one of the calls to the Yeager family was made. Mm -hmm. Based on this evidence, Mirhofer was arrested in 1974 and brought to the police station for interrogation. However, he said that he was not responsible for Susan's abduction. Right. To try and prove his innocence... He agreed to be interrogated under the influence of sodium pentothal, which was like the truth Truth, serum back then. Um, He also took a polygraph test, which results proved inconclusive. And since they lacked any solid evidence, they ultimately did have to release Mirhofer. The audio recordings from his interrogation were later shown to Susan's parents, who positively identified the caller as David Mirhofer. They recognized his voice from the phone calls. Yeah. Um... And during September of that year, Marietta confronted Mirhofer several times, like out in public. She was like... Yes. She accused him of killing Susan and urged him to confess. Like, every time she saw him, she was like, you killed my daughter, you need to confess. Yeah. So, which, the poor thing that she had to do that all the time, because they just... He was just able to just walk around. I know, and it makes you wonder, like, if this was a man she saw regularly before, Mm -hmm. or if he was going out of his way... To be seen yeah. by her, which is more psychological torture mm-hmm. shit. Like, oh, if, like, she only saw him, like, every now and then when she needed work done because he was a carpenter or something. Yeah. But, like, now she's seeing him several times. And he's, like, doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucked up. After one confrontation um, on September 24th, the kidnapper called himself, uh, or he identified himself as Travis. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure, David called the family again and angrily declared that they would never see their daughter alive again due to their cooperation with the police. Okay. After already saying, calling, talking to Marietta for an hour saying he could not return her. And now he's calling saying that they're never going to see her alive again. Yeah. Just constant. It sucks. That's so shitty. Yeah. And during the phone call, Marietta referred to Mirhofer by his name. Like she called him David. Um, But he just decided to stop talking then. He was like, <laughs> this isn't working. But the FBI had been monitoring the call, and after an audio uh, phonoscopic examination, they were able to conclusively determine that he was the caller and were able to arrest him the next day. Yeah, like she was telling them this whole time. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Well, they they knew it was him. Yeah, they just no, I get it. They legally just could not arrest him. Frustrating, yeah. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, but good. While, but I'm assuming it's not staying good. Uh, no. Yeah, well, this is true crime, so. <laughs> While Mirhofer was detained at the Gallatin County Jail in Bozeman, authorities began a search of his house and, the, uh, and his car. Um, they found bloodied women's clothing, washed out bloodstains, and a human hand and several fingers that Mirhofer kept in his fridge. Okay, I think, yeah, I definitely have heard this. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he just kept it in his fridge. I, Yeah. I mean, I'll never understand a lot of why people kill. I'll, I'll never understand why people kill people unless mm-hmm. it's like self-defense, kill your, you know, abuser type of thing. Then I'm like, eh, okay. But this, and then just keeping trophies. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm glad they do so they get caught, but it's still so. It's, it's whack. Like, it's, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, just don't kill people. Yeah, let's not murder I saw a tweet that is random. I saw a tweet the other day. It was like wild when you think when people claim like people ask why there's not as many serial killers anymore, and the like scientific answer is just because we don't put lead in as much shit as we used to. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fucked. When Mirhofer heard they found, where's the aha? You were at the fridge hand. Yes, and I just yeah. No, I thought I skipped ahead. I didn't skip ahead. Okay. I got two... I thought they were two different. I thought they were the same, but they're two different, and I 
confused myself. Uh, but when Mirhofer heard that they found those things, um, mm-hmm. he confessed to the two crimes. Okay. Um, he admitted to abducting and killing, Su- killing Susan Yeager, as well as 19-year-old Sandra Dykeman Smolligan, who had gone missing on February 10th from a basketball game in Manhattan. During the interrogation, Mirhofer admitted that he had attempted to establish an intimate relationship ah. with... Um, with Sandra, but after she refused, he abducted her, tied her up, and gagged her, which caused her to suffocate to death. Um, with Susan, he claimed that he stabbed her to death shortly after kidnapping her, as she resisted a lot. His motive for the murder was never determined, but Mirhofer stood firm in denying that his aim was to rape her. Okay, because he clearly handled taking no very well to the yeah. one girl. Um, <sighs> After he killed them, Mayerhofer dismembered the bodies with a hunting knife and a wood saw and then burned them in a fire pit before finally scattering their ashes and remaining bones at the Lockhart place. To avoid capital punishment, Mayerhofer's defense attorney made a plea deal involving the confession of two additional murders that had not been linked to Mayerhofer. One was of 13-year-old Bernard L. Pullman, who was shot to death on a bridge in Three Forks on March 19, 1967, while swimming with a friend. Um, police initially thought that Bernard was involved in like an accidental shooting or like a ricochet from hunters or target or target shooters. Um, the second was 12-year-old boy, uh, 12-year-old boy scout Michael E. Rainey. Um, who had been beaten to death in Three Forks during an outdoor practice session. Um, while a definitive motive for these murders was never established either, Mirhofer had claimed before killing Rainey, he, quote, oh, wanted to get a little kid. Uh. Interrogators um, suspected Mirhofer may have committed more than four murders, but confessed only to those in Gallatin County due, the, due to the plea deal with prosecutors. Why give him a plea deal? Yeah, I don't. Some of the Montana crimes that Mirhofer was suspected of committing were actually like actually ended up being attributed to uh, Wayne Nance, who was another serial killer that was active in Montana in the 1970s and 80s. Um, and there were more that they thought were Mirhofer, but those were connected to the long haul truck driver Richard William Davis, um, who was able to be linked to the murders um, by DNA. Uh, posthumously, like after he was dead. Posthumously, yeah. Um, And that was of the five-year-old girl in Missoula, Montana. Four hours after giving his confessions, Mirhofer was found dead in his jail cell after hanging himself with a towel. Weak. Jailers had not been informed that Mirhofer was a murder suspect, so they didn't tell the jailers that, like, oh, this guy's, yeah, here for murder. You know, um, murdering little kids and girls. So they didn't and put boys. him on suicide watch because they didn't know he was. <sighs> because no one told them. Yeah. And then because of that, Sheriff Leslie or Andy Anderson was formally censured by county officials for the suicide. And in the next election, after he served for sheriff for over two decades, was voted out of office. I mean, for good reason. And so, officially, the um, the cases associated with Mirhofer were closed, but his reasonings and motivations for the murders remain unclear to this day. And also, his younger brother was a serial rapist. Great. And was released in 2017. Alan Mirhofer. Great. But yeah, his younger brother just got released um, out of jail in 2017. Well, way to bring it down. <laughs> Marietta Yeager, Susan's mom... Mm-hmm. Um, wrote a book called The Lost Child about her daughter's kidnapping and murder. Yeah. So if you want to consume this story in a way that tells it from the family's side and or from the family of the victim's side, I would definitely read Marietta's book. Yeah. Poor family. Mm-hmm. And Especially just, when the he fact just, that it, he called them multiple so times. So to say, when he had already were seeing killed them her. in person. Yeah, and he knew that she was dead. And he was just like, give me money. Just just for the hell of it, mm-hmm. really. like. And then kept calling them and kept saying, oh, it's disgusting. Horrendous. Just, a mon- I mean, a monster. Truly. This case, though, uh, the one I almost did was much worse. Great. Well, I'm sure you'll probably do it next time. We always love it here on True Crime. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, I hope you had fun. Should I mean, I tried to keep it light with mine, at least. Like, yes, I there didn't. was an unfortunate murder. Poor Fred. Mine was Sorry. just about a man living in an attic. <laughs> Sorry. Attic. Addict? You say addict. Well, I'm sorry. Which it's fine. I just never heard that before. I was like, oh, an attic. Attic. Yeah, attic. Attic. <laughs> now I'm gonna be questioning every word I say. But you like add a T at the end of it. You're like addict. Don't mean to. <laughs> well, now I'm just not gonna speak for the rest oh, of the time. Up. We have a podcast. You are legally required to speak. <laughs> well, I, we did not sign contracts. <laughs> could just sit here <laughs> sip my little drinky drink well any other depressing things you want to tell us tonight no. Skylar? <laughs> no do you want me to read some more magic realism about <laughs> tweets to bring up the mood also when we laugh on true crime episodes because we're uncomfortable uh, yeah i mean i think that's obvious that or we're just laughing at something stupid one of us did or said not related to the case yeah um Read one more to close us out. Okay. Find a good one. Let me find a good one. Yes. A nihilistic mermaid decrees that everyone must adopt a tuna fish. <laughs> thanks for listening to Sip and Spin. <laughs> and thanks to Magic Realism Bot <laughs> for not sponsoring us this episode. No. But hey, do you want to? <laughs> Shall we spin? I think it's probably best. Breaking this couch? No. Okay. I just keep kicking the middle cushion out because I keep well, moving I keep my like, feet. I guess it's just my tights rubbing the velvet, but mm. I keep like thinking it's collapsing. But everything's fine. Mm. Okay. So we actually got our newest quote-unquote topic, which uh, we have decided, just because we both can't stand current events these days, we are replacing current events with uh, a just chatting category. Think, like, just chatting on Twitch or just maybe lots of other podcasts where people just kind of sit down and chit-chat. Yeah. Like, think very Tiny Meat Gang podcast, The Try Guys. Yeah, The Tripod, You Can't Sit With Us. Just very casual not necessarily, like, any notes or research to base this off of, just kind of chatting. Yeah, and so, maybe we'll come up with some talking points, like... Yeah, so we're just going to kind of... This will be really testing the waters type episode to, one, see if we can do it in a good flow, see if it's not too awkward to try to force conversation, but we'll maybe have some backup, something similar to random in our back pocket if it doesn't work out, and we'll just let you know when we record that. Yeah. So I think that's the best way to try it. Yeah. Come in, like, with no notes, just kind of chit-chat about shit, and then if we need, we can, like, always hop on Reddit or hop on Twitter or something and yeah. just be like, hey, what's going on? I think that's maybe the best way to try it out. Okay. Test the waters. See how you guys like it. And if you hate it, give us topic ideas. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because this, we just, we have, we'd like to, like, periodically like refresh the wheel you know so mm. we just we are only as smart as i mean you know how smart we are you listen to this podcast <laughs> we're both idiots we, we need fresh we ideas share a brain cell. <laughs> like <laughs> one goldfish wine soaked brain cell like <laughs> we need help if you have cool or weird topic ideas we're happy to throw them up for a few spins like mm -hmm. we'd like to keep it changing I think. Yeah. There are, like, certain ones that it's, like... I can, I can take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are ones that are on there that I'm, like, oh, no, we're not getting rid of that. Like, we need to make sure those are on there always. But there are other ones, like, I mean, cooking. Cooking. We could do cooking or we could put something else there. Like... Yeah. Like, obviously, as listeners, you know better than us which ones you hate. Yeah. You have to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> You're legally required to let us know. <laughs> yes. By listening to this, you have signed a contract <laughs> with your soul that you didn't realize, but it was in the fine print. Thank you. But while we're testing that out, what will we be drinking? White wine. All right. Wine and wine. Sounds good. Wine and wine. <laughs> 
well, like we had wine this week, and then it was just wine and wine. Well, I think you meant like wine is the like WH because we're just you know chatting next week. I mean, it could. I thought you made a little pun. I thought you made a little pun. I'm gonna cut it out where I. I made the pun for you. No, I'm cutting all that out. It's gonna be like I made it. <laughs> yes, like wine and wine. We're gonna <laughs> wine. Drink wine. See what I did there. So anyways, y'all, <laughs> if you would like to find the podcast, you can find us on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube um, at Sip and Spin Pod. If you would like to find Brittany, her social media is Whimsy Dream or Whimsy Dreams. If you'd like to find me, all my social media is Gleam YKS. But as always, the three link trees will be down in the description below. So you, all you got to do is just click the little link. <laughs> yeah. That is all you gotta do. Fucking do it. You don't have to search. You don't have to type anything in. Just go down. We give you all you need to <laughs> succeed here. And email us about topics or message us on. I'm pretty sure our DMs are open, so you can message us on Twitter and Instagram about like topic ideas. They are, and we get DMs, but not legit DMs. No. So I still think about that one person trying to get us to sponsor like ball treatment. <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, I mean, if you really want us, I mean, I'll sponsor a lot of things, like, I'm pretty easy to sell out here, I think, but that was a little much. Just because I can't, I mean, I can make Richard test it, so if you're listening, ball treatment people. I don't think they are, I think they were a fake company, I, I was think a it was a scam. But, you push a little harder, I might just give in. <laughs> Pretty easy to win over with money. We'll bring Richard on to do do our ball treatment sponsor for our, like four male listeners. I don't even know if we have that many male listeners anymore. I think it's predominantly women. Good. <laughs> so like, hey, clearly we are the ball experts here. Yeah, I'm a lesbian, and she's been with the same man for eight years. <laughs> Yeah. Still not as long as Dolly and Otto were together, so <laughs> we've got some work to do, I guess. Um, but we do thank you, you for listening. Attic? We do. I don't know how you... I mean, I do know how you get into our attic, but I'm pretty sure squirrels have taken sure, it over. Sure, that's the story we're going with. You don't even know how to get up there. Well, I do hear noises up there, and I don't have a sex person in my attic, unless Richard does, I don't know, but I hear, <laughs> I hear the crawling at night. You know, both of y'all are home all the time. If he, had, mean, if he had a sex person up there, you would know. I mean, I'm pretty dumb, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> like, you don't leave the house. <laughs> oh, I come into my little room and I put my headphones on, like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I like to be left alone. If he's bothering someone else, I mean, cool. All right. <laughs> let me let me have my eight hours. Eight hours of set or eight sorry, times a day. No, give me eight hours of like uninterrupted silence a day. Thank you. That's what I want in a partner. <laughs> That's um, like I don't know if it's just because I'm depressed and my libido <laughs> is low, but I'm like I can never. <laughs> no, Dolly was something else i imagine um so yeah i'll definitely be posting her photo because apparently she had the goods and we don't but we thank you for listening <laughs> yeah thanks y'all <laughs> so for the next time bye